Good morning, everyone. And let me start by thanking Dr. Shimoyu, who, uh, who invited me to uh, this uh, symposium. And I would like also to recognize among the audience, my professor, Professor David Hume, uh, uh, who I can see in the audience. Uh, I welcome all of you, members of faculty, students and research members. But also to uh, 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 to uh, the, the other uh, uh, invited guests, the the, the prestigious uh, names that I see on the list, and I would also like to say a special uh, good morning to all my African uh, sisters and brothers here present. Uh, uh, we do celebrate today, yes, uh, 75 years of this Pan African Congress in the Great City uh, of uh, that took place 70 years ago in the in the Great City of Manchester. Like all important celebrations, this is a moment of joy, of course, but also it's a moment of reflection and of meditation. Many things have changed since then in the world. Many changes have changed in Africa. Indeed, many things have changed since last year. Many principles, especially those uh, which brought together the distinguished group uh, of thinkers and leaders uh, uh, 75 years ago have changed, while others are yet to change. Let me address both. What has remained the same uh, uh, since, since that meeting is the importance of recognizing that ideas matter. Each of those great leaders brought forward their own ideas, thoughts, strategies regarding how to decolonize Africa's development. It's this melting pot of ideas that underlay many of today's development strategies and policies in Africa. Also, this important meeting brought forth the importance of coalitions uh, to push solutions to different development problems, sustainable development in Africa must be built on coalitions and cooperation of different groups, both within and outside the continent. The spirit uh, uh, of the above is what helped Africa liberate itself from colonial presence and from apartheid and made significant economic, social and cultural progress. Africa also laid the foundations for its unity by establishing a common organization, the OAU, which became the African Union in 2002. The African Union today is at the vanguard of development thinking and supporting partnership, uh, partnerships for the benefit of Africa and Africans. These partnerships are uh, supported at the highest political level on the continent and bring together governments, regional bodies, private sector and civil society. This is the spirit underlying the agenda 2063, which I can confidently say that um, about this development agenda for Africa is the epitome of what those Pan-African leaders were thinking 75 years ago, a strategy that was devised by Africans for Africans and, and implemented in Africa. Those leaders were also thinking in the direction of regional integration. Also, of course, the term uh, back then might not have been coined yet. They were emphasizing the importance of unity among uh, African countries and the value of such unity for a more prosperous and developed continent. The African Free Trade uh, Area Agreement mirrors this, their conviction. The glimmers of hope are everywhere in Africa, I must say. Immense resources to break the cycle of dependency and poverty, 
positive developments and new impetus, as well as peers' determination and spectacular results have continued to emerge and pave the way forward. Fastest growing economies, tech hubs mushrooming everywhere, uh, large renewable energy projects uh, erected, rising middle class, uh, improved the governance. Uh, regional organizations uh, are being established while continental, uh, continental flagship projects such as the free trade area are on the right track. The continent's uh, economic integration, uh, another founding aspiration of our people is now within reach. The African Union is reforming itself by Africans to provide the commission, I mean the commission of the African Union with appropriate legal and policy resource to become an effective instrument for the achievement of priority actions, the essence of which is reflected in Agenda 2063. Our ambition, that of our leaders and hundreds of millions of Africans, is to advance with greater force and resolve towards this horizon. We are harmonizing with the regional economic communities, expanding uh, uh, and giving hand to our brothers in the, and sisters in the diaspora, reaching out uh, even to uh, our sixth region, sixth African region, the Caribbean. So gradually Africa uh, has changed its negative narrative and once more became the pride of the world. It didn't happen magically, either in the twinkling of an eye, but took decades after decades. So uh, Africa turned corner of marginalization in international affairs, the end of the Cold War and global shifts in power toward the end of the previous century were closely followed by uh, Africa rise. Uh, this, of course, contrasted the previous decades, uh, uh, decades long narrative of hopeless uh, war ra ravaged and plague ridden continent or the Afro pessimism. So the Africa rising mantra followed reforms that improved institutional capacities and established African countries on firm business, economic, and political trajectories. Africa is becoming and became important to major powers. New centers of economic, political, intellectual, and academic powers have emerged over these last uh, years. Amidst these tectonic shifts, the narrative of decolonization, unfortunately, remained largely the same as if it's frozen in time. What I think is that we really need to move away organization monologue into dialogues, uh, uh, into uh, that that strategic, uh, I mean, to strategically promote partnerships and situate Africa at the center of global political and economic scenes. And I think this is exactly what we're doing here today, and that's what the, what the institute is trying to do. Please engage in a dialogue and and see how we can do this uh, together. As the saying goes, all political is local. I can also say or argue that internationalization, that is, if it's smartly done, ought to prioritize local while taking stock of the international. Since I'm talking I mean, to uh, uh, members of academia, choices in curricula, research, language, need to be as local as they need to be international. Research must be relevant to a national and regional uh, uh, national regional realities, but ought to uh, be advanced in keeping up with international standards and perspectives. Furthermore, international partnerships and cooperation need to be significant to local realities and needs. 
I, I here recall the, uh, the, uh, uh, the what, what uh, President uh, Julius Nereri uh, uh, pronounced on the danger uh, uh, of the lack of a balanced view between what is local and what is international. When he said, and I quote, two possible dangers facing a university in a developing niche. The danger of blindly adoring mythical international standards, which may cast a shadow on national development objectives, and the danger of forcing uh, our university to look inwards and isolate itself from the world. We need to uh, uh, be uh, careful about that. Uh, I looked at the invitation that I received for this event and I opened the website that was uh, sent. And um, I want to share with you what I've seen, uh, which has also happened 75 years ago. This photo, if you've all seen it. The photo shows uh, the leaders and many men and only one woman. That has certainly changed. African women today are the main uh, motor of African economies and have played and continue to play an active role in the continent's development. And since we are celebrating, let me also share with you that yesterday, marked a watershed moment in the African Union gender equality calendar as we celebrated the end of the first African women's decade on grassroots approach to gender equality and women's empowerment 2010-2020. Uh, By devoting an entire decade to women, African leaders have demonstrated their political will and commitment to promoting gender equality, women's empowerment, and women's rights. Throughout the decade, considerable progress was made in translating commitment into measurable actions as most African countries took giant steps to elevate the status of women through legal and constitutional means, institutional gender mechanisms, as well as creating conducive environments for women to realize their potential. Africa has witnessed an increase in women's participation in political decision-making processes that saw four a African Union, African countries, Rwanda, Namibia, South Africa, and Senegal, being ranked in the top 10 countries in the world with the highest number of uh, women's representation in parliament. A further 16 African countries have surpassed the 30% threshold of women's representation in national parliaments. Women now occupy strategic ministers such as ministries, such as defense, economy, finance, foreign affairs, even heads of states, which were traditionally reserved for men. Today, Africa has improved women's access to modern, modern technologies, infrastructure, and services. Women's education rate has increased, and there is greater success uh, access to technical and vocational training. Indeed, there is a lot that African women can celebrate as concrete achievements uh, uh, just over the last years. And let me just say, in my own country, uh, we are celebrating now, I mean, we, from a mere 8%, women now 20% of the government, and uh, from 2%, 15% of parliament members. While celebrating these laudable accomplishments, it is important to acknowledge a number of barriers that still persist, that hinder the effective enjoyment of all uh, the roles of, uh, of the African women's decade, or of women empowerment. For example, resources constraints disparities between norm setting and actual implementation, 
socioeconomic and cultural constraints, sexual and gender-based violence, harmful, harmful cultural practices, HIV AIDS, uh, lack of property ownership, including land and inheritance, among others. The COVID-19 pandemic also threatens uh, or threatened to exacerbate many of these uh, challenges as women are disproportionately uh, affect, affected. Uh, therefore, it is our responsibility as decision and policy makers to ensure that such gender sensitive issues are taken into consideration and effectively addressed in infrastructure planning, the area that I'm in charge of, for instance. Uh, so at the EU, we've taken action. We recognize the role of women as both users and contributors, uh, contributors to sustainable infrastructure development. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy to say that what we are, are doing in the infrastructure program, the second phase that starts this year, is that at entry, we made it imperative to have a, 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 a powerful and, uh, and detailed gender lens uh, uh, to, I mean, for, uh, for the, the entry of projects into the pipeline for uh, the African projects, infrastructure projects. I'm also very proud to say that we have established the, uh, the Women in Infrastructure Network, the African uh, Network for Women in Infrastructure, whose role is to ensure that gender sensitivity and responsiveness of Africa's uh, uh, infrastructure, uh, th th this is happening at every step of the value chain when it comes to infrastructure. I'm not talking only about users or beneficial beneficiaries, but we are pushing for women owners of, of, uh, uh, of projects, of companies, of infrastructure, uh, access to large finance, not microfinance, because infrastructure, we we're talking millions and hundreds of millions. We want women to access this finance, to get into infrastructure uh, programs and, and projects, knowing that these are huge on the continent. Uh, and speaking of women, uh, uh, Africa is also a, a, a continent with great untapped potential. I'm not here talking about the natural resources, water, or oil, or min minerals, but our greatest resource, our greatest resource is youth. With almost 500 young Africans between the age of 15 and 35, within 10 years, Africa will become, uh, uh, will be home to one-fifth of all youth worldwide. And despite the enormous challenges, I must say that we have already seen innovation, resilience, agility among, uh, uh, among young, young people and that scale. Really very proud of them. These millions of young people are source of ingenuity and engines of productivity and creativity that carefully cultivated new age of inclusion, prosperity, and thanks to uh, this uh, youthful population, a highly valuable asset uh, uh, in an aging world, accelerated digitalization, uh, resources, uh, uh, and creativity, Africa can become the supply chain of the world. The labor market of the future will require new skills, including digital fluency, creative thinking, problem solving, collaboration, empathy, and adaptability. With these new demands in place, it would be remiss of Africa not to strengthen our biggest asset, the youth. Appropriate action will help our continent to harness this promising demographic dividend. Furthermore, a proactive stance is likely to reduce the risk of massive labor substitution and endemic unemployment, even migration, 
while enabling the continent to leverage the new entrepreneurial and economic opportunities associated with the digital economy. Uh, I must take, uh, talk about infrastructure because this is what, uh, what, uh, what, what, I mean, not only, it's a, it's a passion, it's a mission, it's a responsibility, but as we are, we are aware, uh, I mean, efficient infrastructure, including both hard and soft, uh, provide crucial platform for Africa to, enha to enhance economic productivity, uh, facilitate trade, accelerate industrialization, and market, uh, markets development at national, regional, continental, or even global levels. Currently, the low level of infrastructure poses one of the biggest challenges to Africa's development agenda, which is having a negative impact on Africa's competitiveness and participation in the global market. The poor state of infrastructure in respect, whether it's electricity, roads, uh, connectivity, reduce, uh, reduce our economic growth by 2% annually and uh, reduce productivity. But I want to emphasize about 600 million Africans are without access to electricity. 600 million Africans. No one should sit still, African or not African, should sit still knowing that there are 600 million people who do not even have access to electricity. Furthermore, 870 million Africans, that's almost 900 million Africans. Almost 900 million Africans do not have access to clean energy for cooking. That means they're still using the, uh, the charcoal and firewood to cook with all the, uh, the, and, uh, the inhaling the smoke and dying out of accidents or having serious uh, 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 injuries because of that. In the 21st century, almost 900 million Africans do not have access to clean uh, uh, energy for cooking. So please mark these numbers. That's why I'm saying it's important we talk about uh, infrastructure. That Africa is also the fastest growing digital market. However, only 39% of Africa is connected and not everyone has, uh, knows how to uh, uh, use the internet. We do have, of course, uh, the African Union started large programs for regional integration through, uh, uh, through, uh, through infrastructure. Uh, however, we need, to, uh, we need to scale up and double up the efforts uh, if we are to, uh, to, uh, to respond to, to, the, to the needs of our people, but also uh, build resilience, especially after COVID-19. Uh, COVID and with that, with the infrastructure goes also all the harmonization programs that we are having whether the, the single African uh, uh, digital, uh, sorry, the single uh, African air transport market, uh, because if you don't know, I mean, 80% of uh, flights across Africa, linking Africa, uh, are not African uh, companies, uh, and it's very expensive. So the launch of uh, the single African air transport market brings uh, or tries expected to bring greater connectivity across the continent and a step forward, of course, uh, for the aviation, tourism, and trade. And now we have 32 uh, nine countries who are signatory and joined this market. Trade, uh, who did not hear yet about the African free trade area, the largest in the world, but also uh, 
the fastest. I mean, it was implemented the fastest in less than a year. It was ratified and uh, it was uh, expected to be operationalized in July, um, except that for the COVID-19, we had to postpone that to the uh, uh, 1st of, uh, of, uh, of January, uh, 2021. I want to pause maybe about slightly about digitalization because since we are meeting virtually, but because in, we are in a new norm, as they say, uh, the importance of digital technology, I mean, this is not new to the continent. Uh, the digital economy constitutes about seven to 10% of our GDP already and is employing lots of people. But more than just that, uh, digital is providing the continent with a new uh, opening, with uh, 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 new solutions uh, and solutions to African problems uh, using this fantastic new tool, which is uh, digitalization. We have great hope in, uh, uh, in, in our young people uh, using digital, uh, digital tools as we have already started to see uh, 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 some fantastic and uh, ingenious uh, uh, um, applications uh, either in local languages and whether they are to resolve an energy problem or a health problem or an education problem, especially under the COVID, you know, when it comes to awareness, sending messages uh, uh, and educating our people, it's been uh, fantastic. And I'm sure you also heard, I mean, or know that term leapfrogging, and that's exactly uh, uh, what uh, what we uh, what we are trying to do, and we have lots of uh, uh, programs uh, going into that direction. Uh, and I'm one of those biggest advocates of digital transformation uh, and uh, and the scale up of digital uh, transformation uh, across uh, across the continent. And with that, of course, grows the issue of connectivity, how to bridge the gap, rural urban, how to bridge the gender the gender gap when it comes to uh, um, to uh, digitalization because we do not wish for a, a digital divide or a, a, a gap that that or digitalization that is that exacerbates the inequalities or the lack of opportunities so i wanted to um, to pause uh, uh, about that and uh, i talked about 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 um, uh, energy but again uh, the nexus uh, digital energy is uh, is very important and renewable energy programs across the continent and forgive me i say sometimes see some some pictures that i do not uh, uh, africa is adopting renewable energy because we need energy not because it is a fashionable way or because we are buying into you know uh, uh, some slogans floating here and there no because we do need energy and and uh, renewable energy is abundant on the continent. And just as a reminder, the two largest solar power plants on, in, on Earth are in Africa. Just to give you a, 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 an example of how fast and important renewable energy is for Africa out of necessity, not out of not doing harm to the, to, to the globe, because we, we are, you know, one of the least the emitters of, uh, of, uh, uh, of gas into the environment, three or four percent. Uh, and even with the full electrification of the continent, we also made the estimates we will still be within that limit, three to four percent. Uh, distinguished participants, uh, I cannot just uh, not talk about the coronavirus um, uh, and the situation where we are all in. 
the pandemic uh, ravaging the entire world as has really been seen has destroyed certainties undermined assurances shattered most of our beliefs maybe uh, never before has humanity appeared so fragile and impotent perhaps the time has come for humanity to reflect on its vanities and limitations in order to rethink universal civilization and to rebuild itself right from the onset uh, the pandemic much to the surprise of those who have always belittled the continent africa mobilized itself a continental response strategy was developed and implemented promptly i would like here to pay a well-deserved tribute to africa and to african leaders and to the african union for the pertinent initiative taken the prompt manner our countries took and implemented appropriate measures consistently with the continental strategy for the solidarity our countries have expressed towards each other we continue to share resources we set up a, a continental uh, uh, fund to pour resources whether they are financial uh, medical or ppes for the benefit of our people and we continue to do so and collectively we are mobilizing also solidarity with africa this is something and um, will grow in history on how africa has mobilized itself in the face of a crisis. I pay a tribute to the Africa CDC, one of the best in the world and recognized now as such. We should all remember this, but we should go beyond the present situation by preparing for the post pandemic conditions in the world. We are doubling our efforts to develop new forms of resilience with security, rehabilitation, uh, health uh, systems, rethinking education, deploying energy and digital connections, upgrading roads and ports and what have you. In this world, we, we are all, and the multilateralism is sorely tested. Africa must stop expecting solutions from others, and this is not what we are doing at all. We are no longer satisfied by, uh, by a role of never-ending reservoir for some or dumping ground for others. We are charting our own course. Our food independence and insecurity are unacceptable and intolerable, as is the state of our roads, ports, health, education, and infrastructure. Africa's land, forests, rich fauna, mines, energy potential, and maritime and inland waterways hold the necessary resources to provide an adequate response to the needs of our people. And of course, as I said, our biggest uh, potential and resource our people themselves, especially the young one. We are in full lucidity, boldly opting for an innovative approach that is fit for Africa and about Africa and for Africa. So the COVID-19 helped also to brutally remind us of the imperative to put a stop to dependency on the exteriors, on the outside. And I'm not saying here that as I started, not that, I mean, to uh, resolve to isolation and to look only inward, but I'm talking about partnership that puts Africa first, that puts our priorities first, a partnership that is win-win and partnership where everyone uh, uh, pays, uh, uh, makes an effort. 
Africa takes responsibility of its own de development and prosperity, the global north or east must be willing also to listen and to work with Africa. Uh, distinguished participants, Africa has truly risen. And I'm not here saying uh, this is not about forgetting who we are or uh, where we came from. As President Nasser said, it's not about forgetting, it's about forgiving. Let me end by saying that, uh, or quoting President Kwame Nkrumah, we face neither East nor West. We face forward. And that is exactly where we in Africa are heading and looking forward. And I thank you.